Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. He's been shot six times. Halloweenies. He's been burned alive. Halloweenies. He's lost his head. Halloweenies. Michael Myers can't and won't be stopped, which is why he returns this October. In anticipation, the Consequence Podcast Network presents Halloweenies, a limited series that carves out one Halloween movie a month, leading all the way up to the October 19th release of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride's new movie. You'll get tricks. You'll get treats. You'll get Michael. Tune in for the night we came home. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Take a moment right now before we get into this to hit that subscribe button that's right in front of you so you can keep up with the whole series. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's another special episode today with three guests, Hippocampus, Thin Lips, and the Bamboos. I'm tying all these together. They all have brand new albums, but uh, parts of their albums at least deal with mental health, and it is Mental Health Month. thought we'd talk about that a little bit, first with Jake from Hippocampus, then with Chrissy from Thin Lips about their new record, Chosen Family, and Lance Ferguson from the Bamboos, whose lead single from Nighttime People, Broken, also deals with mental illness. We'll start, though, with Jake from Hippocampus. And again, the new record, Bambi, it's got a bigger sound. And we're going to get into that as well as their consistent output of EP and LP after EP after LP and how individual writing has helped that out and how Jake deals with depression and anxiety. It's Kyle Meredith with Hippocampus. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? Man, I heard these these two new songs that have come out so far, and they just blew me away. Like, I've been a fan of you guys for the past record and EPs, but this seems like next level stuff here this seems like something completely different does it feel that way to you yeah yeah man um it does we we sort of went into this record and wanted to take a different approach than we had done in the past um in terms of songwriting so in the past we'd always kind of written songs in the room all together kind of jam based um and with this uh new record we decided to each kind of bring in our own songs record them and demo them out on our own and then bring them to the group and work on them um so i think it, it allowed us to to make our, make the songs more complex um, and also more personal. What did you find out about uh, each other as far as, you know, in, in that style, writing individually, if there was anything? <clears throat> um, I think it allowed us to play to each of our individual strengths, for sure. But it also um, it also showed us, you know, what, what the other members could bring once that full song is brought in. Yeah, I think it just, like, defined each of our voices in, um, in the band. And it also gave the record, like, just many different different colors when you're doing that i mean it, it has that potential for lots of different styles is there is there a way that you try to bring those in as a cohesive piece or do you let them you know settle as they fall um the priority has always been like the records for us in terms of like flow and being cohesive um as opposed to to songs so there were definitely a lot of songs that didn't make the record truly because they just didn't fit the vibe of the songs that seemed to be working out so we have a bunch of we have a bunch of songs left over right now as well. 
I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I feel like we should probably expect another EP within a year's time because it seems to be the uh, the trajectory yeah. you guys yeah. stay on. Yeah, honestly, yeah, we're we're definitely trying to get more music out, whether it's an EP or an album uh, this year. Hopefully, I think the industry's moving, you know, quickly these days, and and we're writing quickly, so. I mean, yeah, the, the whole idea, the concept of the of the two to three year period between. I mean, you guys completely brushed that aside because I mean, this record, this new record, it's it's on the heels of an EP what that came out late last year, and the whole record that came out earlier last year. It seems to me like how in the hell did you all find time to even write? <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's whenever we whenever we get gaps. I think again, writing individually. Uh, helped a lot because uh the way we used to work we'd, we'd have to be in a room and you know you'd spend seven or eight hours trying to write this song in a way that everyone was happy with it but when you're working on your own you don't have to compromise um you could just kind of follow your own intuition and with all four of us working individually there's one more songs that, that came forward and about you know the sound i mean th- these two songs are different than what we're used to i mean you, you know you're there we can hear you there but but there's different sonic textures to go along with it is there a push because you know, critics can say, oh, you sound like this band or you've got this sound and everything. And, and you've made it a habit of kind of, you know, doing an about face with every new release. Is that sort of purpose to challenge your audience with every new 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 time out? Um, I think it's more it's more to challenge ourselves to keep creating something fresh. Um, I think with each record we make, we we find something we find something new out about ourselves in terms of where, where we want to take the sound of the direction. Like immediately when Landmark was done, I was like, oh, I like these these things that Landmark had, and I really want to capitalize on those moments for what we do um, next. And it's the same with this record. You know, there's, there's moments where I'm like, okay, I want to capitalize on that exact thing on the next record. And then we just kind of hope the fans will, will come with us. <laughs> well, I like I mean, you take a song like Bambi. I mean, this song is insanely catchy. But, you know, that is the first time I heard it. It's like, oh, cool, this is sort of more of an electronic thing for them. You know, I I don't know if um, having these new sounds, does it change also how you're playing live when you uh, put these new textures in there? Yeah, we've been working for the past uh, week on on learning all the songs live again. It's been interesting. I think that we we want to keep the live show a different thing. We sort of we sort of did that with Landmark too, where the version that we played were different than the album versions. And I think with this, it's a similar thing. Where the the versions will be different. Um, there are electronic elements, like we're, we're incorporating like a drum pad. We have DiCarlo out with us. Um, playing trumpet and some like aux percussion and some other triggers so we're definitely integrating it in but it's still uh, the songs are all way more higher energy live uh, like we'll write different endings or different parts that that kind of keep it interesting and high energy so that's what people that's what at least i want when i go to a show it's sort of in contrast to you know when i look at the album titles on this and i understand you might be having to speak for other bandmates on this but the, the, there's instantly sort of uh, an, an idea or a concept or a thread or whatever you want to call it just on the titles alone because we're looking at mistakes, anxious, doubt, and why even try. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> nice. I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. You know, I've heard you talk about uh, or heard one of you all talk about at least with, with Bambi, you know, that there is the concept of mental health that goes along with this and masculinity. And it does seem like just by looking at that at those titles that maybe – more of that kind of lies within the album as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for each song, we had this original idea to have each song be like a different emotion or feeling. Something I felt that was lacking uh, with Landmark was was just that ability to emote 
and and have it come across on a recording. I think we got we got very into perfection with that record just because we had so much time um, in the studio to record it. We spent probably like almost a year and a half on it. Um, with this record, we wanted to keep it more raw and quick, so it's we only spent probably like three or four months. Uh, working on it and we we wanted to portray emotions kind of first and foremost and i think that carried over into the lyrical content as well i finally felt vulnerable enough to or comfortable enough with myself to start talking about my mental health issues and it's the same with the other guys that's something we've been talking about a lot on the air here at wfbk we we devoted an entire day to mental health around here and just had our our listeners call in and tell their stories and we had artists come in uh, it does seem like we're finally to the point where people are opening up about that especially you know, I mean, people deal with various forms of it, uh, you know, all around the world and in all facets of life. But, you know, in, in our world and music, of course, we do see it more publicly when we, we lose our friends and artists, you know, and, and, and hear about what they're going through. What's the, what has that journey been like for you to kind of talk about that? And ha- have you sort of noticed the, the sea change as well? Yeah, I think very um, originally it was, it was just something that was that I didn't really realize was going on. I would have these, you know, like dark feelings on tour. I would have these dark moments, and, and I didn't really understand sort of what was going on because depression or anxiety weren't things that were really publicized very much. So you just think something is wrong with you. But then gradually, as, as I learned more about depression, was you know, with with like the high profile suicides, like you know, Cornell or Bennington, it became very very popular. You could read more on it. And it was like, wow, I I feel like I've I've been dealing with a lot of these things for a very long time. And I just thought, you know, something is wrong with me, but but it's actually just, you know, a chemical imbalance in my brain that's, that's causing this. Right. So, you know, it, it definitely helps put you at peace when, when you find out that you're not alone. But, Have you found out ways to, to cope with that, to, to help out? Um, It's definitely a journey. I feel like it's it's a fresh realization, probably like as we were making this record. But I'm definitely taking steps to, to figure it out and trying to get the help I need. And I, the other guys are as well for, you know, whatever they're dealing with. But it's a scary thing, man. It's definitely a scary thing. Putting that into song, was there any challenge to that? Because you're talking about kind of opening up about emotions for the first time in your music. Like, what what was the challenge for that for you? Um, I wrote about my relationship for the first time. I've been with the same girl for a very long time, almost six years before the band started. And I'd never really written songs about our relationship. Just being, you know, scared to be vulnerable on that level or sort of bring people into that world. But there there just became a point in the past year when it when it was sort of unavoidable to write about that stuff. I I wanted to commit myself to being honest, you know, more honest to the fan base. With every release I feel like I should be more vulnerable and honest. So it was challenging, but it's it's definitely been rewarding. It's almost like a form of therapy to be like, Okay, here you go. <laughs> right. I mean, you can have this now. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I, I love most about songs. I mean, you have some writers, and, and I'm, I'm going to maybe unfairly talk about the pop world a little bit or various forms of the uh, more mainstream acts where it seems like they feel like they have to make it more broad or generic to connect with the masses, where I, I always personally feel like when a musician, when an artist is talking about something very personal to them, I can connect to that more because I've, I've probably been there in some form, you know. Yeah, exactly, man. I think I think people could smell when when they're when something's inauthentic or something's too vague. It doesn't mean anything. Every song we've ever written that has connected with people has been a song that's actually you know meant something or come from a place of of meaning. And it feels like you know that we do have songs that are less about like an explicit you know true thing that happened to us. And I feel like those songs typically don't resonate as hard. What else can we look forward to on this record that uh, that we haven't covered so far? <laughs> Uh, it's wild, man. It's seriously, it's it's a wild, 
it's a wild ride. There's very loud parts, there's very quiet parts. I think it kind of covers all the bases. There's a couple songs we did live to tape, like Band in a Room kind of vibes. There's some songs that are like a drum machine and a guitar. It's kind of all over the map. So I hope hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it definitely does set you all up in a nice spot to, to, to move in just about any kind of direction you want at this point. And that's exciting. You know, as a fan, that's exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm so excited to. We, uh, we're bringing like a recording rig on the road, so we'll be writing the entire time we're out and working. So it should be pretty fun. As if you Never didn't have enough man. lines, uh, enough releases lined up already. Here comes more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get two islands out. Sure. <laughs> Keep them coming, man. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Congrats again on this record. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, everything else that's in store, too. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, a big thanks to Jake from Hippocampus. That new record is called Bambi. We're going to move now to the second interview, Chrissy from Thin Lips. Their new record, Chosen Family. A powerful, punky record. It's instantly one of my favorites of the year. We're going to get into how community goes into a lot of that, especially the queer community, and how punk rock was a savior for Chrissy. We'll talk about her own dealings with anxiety and mental health, her love for riffs, and how Sgt. Pepper had an influence on the artwork. It's Kyle Meredith with Thin Lips. Hi, Kyle. Well, I, I want to tell you all, like Thin Lips, you guys got my like favorite record right now. It just kind of blew me away. Uh, when I heard it. Oh, wow. Yeah. it's Thank you. No, it's a hell of a record, uh, Chosen Family. And I, I thought, you know, maybe that's um, that's the place to start because I, I suppose there's sort of a story behind the song uh, of c- communal and community, right? Yeah, definitely. Community, Chosen Family. It's like a, a big thing, especially in the queer community. Sometimes, especially queers, you're born and your family, you may be not so happy. Especially like historic, I feel like, uh, queer concept. Of course, now it's being embraced by a lot of people, but Chosen Family has been super important in the queer community for a really long time. Like, um, have you ever seen, like, uh, Paris is Burning? I haven't. Um, it's a documentary about the balls in New York that drag balls, and there were, like, all of these houses of communities of queers that were just, like, moved to New York City, left home because they had to, to kind of survive, like, culturally and and as queers in the world and i was thinking of like the the history like you even take like punk rock or whatever version of punk rock punk and being queer have a long history together you know as you were did as you were coming up did one of those inform you uh, to the other uh, at all yeah yeah definitely i mean i feel like um coming up like going to shows playing writing punk music and then like meeting people that i was values aligned with and like kind of building out my chosen family you know I think probably definitely started with rock and roll and then kind of like expanded you or punk in, rock, whatever you want. Well, you get into that opening track, you know, as we mentioned, is, is that a true story? Is is that you recounting that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually we, the bass player in Thin Lips is a record engineer. He uh, uh, owns, Collins the Headroom, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like really inspired by that Solange record. Um, like all of the kind of like sound collages of like, uh, you know, interviews and words and stuff. And so he he just asked if he could interview me and Mikey and, you know, didn't know what was going to come of it. But this is still when we were like demoing and like, you know, trying to write and a bunch of stuff and just like paint a picture of like where, where we headed with this. What, you know, you just chisel away at it 
figure out what, it, what it's going to be. He um, interviewed me and just asked me a bunch of questions about myself and mostly growing up and, and being a queer person and, and a butch woman in the world. And, and we just like sat in the car for like 45 minutes and just like, and just like talked shit and he recorded it. And then he was like, you know, kind of like picking through everything and trying to figure out what he wanted to use and what he didn't want to use. And I think he was like kind of struggling with it. And we all sat down at lunch together. And, you know, when we like decided on the deadline for the record and I, I said, you know, I want to call the record Chosen Family, and I kind of want to do this, like, I have this idea for the cover, um, because I spent the last kind of year, some change, going through, like, a really bad breakup and getting a lot of support from my friends to even make the music, and bandmate to even make the music at all. So then he kind of went back and combed through the, uh, the interview that he did and found that clip of me telling the story about being a young kid and, and like, waking up and telling my mom I thought I was gay. <laughs> Turns out I was right. <laughs> well, because so, you were what five, around five years old in that. Yeah, I was. A, I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really powerful way to start the record. I mean, of you know, to to have that story because it you know there, as you kind of paint it, there is an innocence to it, but at the same time, we all know how it eventually turns out too. Right. Right. Totally. You know, I yeah, it's such a vivid, almost like Sesame Street like memory in my head, like the dream itself. You know, well, it's incredible yeah. how it all works together. You know, and, and then just dives right into, like I said, the, the, this powerful record. And you know, as I listen to it and, and hear you talk about it, it seems like there is sort of the the two sides. There is the celebration of friends and, and community, and as you say, your chosen family. But there's also the turmoil that I guess you're dealing with in all of these songs. Um, I hear anxiety in there. Uh, and, and Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you have anxious people, uh, I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> you know, in, in, yeah. in, in music, you know, we're, we're all part of it. Especially when you're the leader of a band, when you're the front person for a band. I know it's probably an important outlet for you, but are there hurdles that go along with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all so neurotic, don't you think? Like, I, <laughs> you deal with musicians all, all the time and artists, it's like... There are all sorts of hurdles to my kind of, like, day-to-day. I'm, like, a very, very anxious person. I was born, like, uh, like pretty much classically agoraphobic. Um, I used to be really afraid to go outside. I was afraid to do all sorts of things. And, like, that has kind of morphed and changed the older I get. But those are the kinds of hurdles that I personally deal with. Like, none of them are, like, logical. or They're all, like, very illogical fears. But my band definitely helps like a quadrillion percent with like moving through those things and like toward, you know, it's like very nonlinear. Like um, I'll be like, oh, my God, I just did this crazy thing that like five years ago I couldn't have even imagined doing. Um, And so so it could be something so simple, like uh, going for a walk by myself, like uh, without all of my safety stuff with me, just which sounds silly to somebody else. And and to put yourself out front like that, was there a point where, I mean, some people just take to that naturally, you know, regardless of of how they are in their personal life. Like, you know, as you're dealing with these things, does that, does that parallel to the stage as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, um, you know, I, I do like a nervous PC thing and it's weird. It's like, sometimes I feel really confident and comfortable, but most of the times I'm just like really uh, anxious I do it because I love it, obviously, and because it's, like, a part of my practice just as a person. And, like, I, I think that one thing that I've learned is that, like, um, that when you don't do things that scare you, you just get scared of more things. 
So it's like I'm kind of just I'm kind of just one time my brother said something to me that I thought he's a drummer in Finland that I was like, oh, yeah, I never thought of this. But like, you know, we were on tour this was a long time ago. We've been touring together for like 10 years. And, and I was like, you know, I'm just kind of freaking out. I feel like I should go home. And, and he was like, uh, you know, you're going to be nervous anyway. You might as well be doing something you love. And I, that had never dawned on me, you know, like, like I am, I'm going to be nervous every day. And like, that's just, that's just who I am. And like, there are ways for me to cope with that. And it's definitely a part of the stage. Like I, I do like have a lot of like panic and anxiety. And sometimes I'm like, why the hell do I do this to myself? But then, you know, I do it and it feels like it's just like a little bit better. You know, it's so small, it's almost unnoticeable, but, but like, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, God, I was lunatic before I played shows. I'd like really get really upset. But now I'm just kind of like, I pace and act like crazy, like a quarter of the time, you know? We just, uh, we spent an entire day here at WFPK doing, um, we called it Mental Health Day and we invited everybody in, uh, you know, artists that, uh, that live with, you know, these different versions of it every single day and specialists and just getting people talking about it. And I guess that's what I've really appreciated with, you know, when I hear you talk and, and reading other interviews, you know, to kind of get into the stories of how these songs came to be this way like i think it's i, I do think it's important the, the things you're saying and I, so I do nice appreciate it y'all yeah. did that that's so great because it needs to be it's talked so about more. important so. yeah it's it's so important and like you, you almost get to a point like i i get to a point where i find humor in it like it's not a funny thing but like i just have to laugh at myself like sometimes the way that i react to something because i'm anxious is like it's like totally insane and then you know you just yeah it's just you just have to laugh sometimes because everybody's dealing with it in some capacity. And the more, like, you pay attention, um, the more you see, like, you know, it, it's really easy for me to be like, oh, I'm a lunatic because there's a lot of ways in which, you know, I am, like, very classically agoraphobic or, like, I have a panic disorder. But, like, you see it in other people, you know, having mental health issues doesn't mean that you're going to have an emotional breakdown and go to the hospital. Right. Everybody is dealing with their mental health issues, I think. Whether they're dealing or not, or or talking about it or not, I mean, you see it everywhere. Absolutely, and 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 again, the more we talk about it, you know, the the hopefully the better it gets in some way, you know. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, breeze past the, <laughs> the record itself that we're talking about here too, because. Again, there's so many powerful moments all over Chosen Family, and and not just in the stories and the lyrics, but in the music that you're doing here. You know, and, and oh, thank you. as the mantra of, of Riff Hard comes along, uh, yeah. I, I thought I should probably bring up those riffs because it's becoming a lost art. You know, I, I feel like as, as, you know, even in guitar players, you know, it, to, to just be because it used to be the thing and, and, and the pendulum swings, I guess. But uh, but man, hearing hearing you kind of go into that. And I don't know, I guess the general question here is, as you went into this record, what were you looking for in those riffs? I guess to just expand my riff, uh, my riffology. <laughs> like, I, you know, like my bandmate Kyle taught me how to make um, like drum loops. So we started almost every song like he would he would bring like an idea to me, like a drum idea or like a basic idea. And I'd write like that's just that's just how I write. Like I just love guitars and I love guitar riffs and I I love riffs in general you know like I have riff hard knuckle tattoos that was my 30th birthday present to myself it's not like shred hard like I don't care really about shredding but I love a riff and so you know I'd write sometimes like 10 guitar riffs and then whittle them down to make like two and I don't know what I was looking for I just was like looking for an evolution I think this is the first record and I'm just speaking for myself as a part of the band but I think that uh that really felt like we were just like 
we're just going to write a record that, that we love. Like, I don't, like, I'm getting older. I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I'm just going to write a record I love and, and see how that goes, you know? And I think it turned out better than, than all of us could have hoped, which rocks. Uh, I could bring up any song here and ask about it. I, I, I think I'll bring up my favorite, though. You know, what if I saw you on the street? really low in the album, you know, to find it down there. But uh, really just to ask if there's any if there's any story behind this one, too, because that's that's the one that I centered in on the first and just hit repeat and repeat and repeat. Oh, I love that. So that's so great. Um, what If I Saw You on the Street is a combination of two separate experiences that I had. Um, one, well, this person that I had been dating lived kind of far away and then moved back to town. And I was actually just like... I was going through a breakup and uh, just kind of traveling around with Kyle's computer and interface. And I was actually at Francis's house when I wrote that song. I just had the computer set up in her living room. And I was in her neighborhood uh, where I knew that this person lived. And I was just, you know, it's like thinking about, you just go off into what if, you know, like what if I saw you and, and what if it meant something and what if it didn't mean something. And then I that also kind of morphed into uh, like the second half of the song is kind of a, about like ha- having nothing to give to this person that I had just uh, broken up with, who was just demanding uh, all of my time, and how how I just kind of end up in these like cyclical patterns of abuse with partners, you know, mm-hmm. that that I think we all do. And it actually had a, a whole other verse that that we cut that kind of resolved it a little bit. But I kind of liked it better unresolved and just ending with that really like like silly kind of punk guitar solo that I love so much. I love that solo. <laughs> No, it is a powerful moment, and and to have that all encapsulated in you know a minute fifty four seconds, I think you guys made the right choice. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate I appreciate that, that affirmation. <laughs> As I'm sitting here looking at the cover too, is that Divine on the front? You know, everybody keeps asking if that's Divine. It's not. That's my best friend from high school. He's a drag queen in the Bay now. Him and his husband moved out there. Like God, they've been married for ten years. They've been together for like thirteen years, but. They moved out to the West Coast, and he's a drag queen called Vanilla Meringue. Okay. Um, and he's also, like, a makeup artist, and he's doing – he's, like, killing it. But he, he was just in this commercial. He might be in another commercial. He's doing makeup for, like, famous movies. He's just an amazing artist. And I asked everybody on the cover to send me, like, pictures that they chose, you know, because I, you know, I didn't I, – I wanted them to have a say in it. Mm-hmm. And so everybody sent me, like, a couple of options. And I think – I don't know if Joel only sent me one or not, but uh, but that was definitely the one that got picked because it's amazing. Yeah, he's got a classic look, obviously. There, <laughs> you know, if he's getting that he's comparison, such an a lot, artist. So, yeah. he's always been like the most amazing artist. He it was such an incredible painter, and I remember just like we used to just like hang out and like I'm a butch lady. He just used to paint my face with makeup and like like I don't wear makeup. I, I'm not opposed to wearing makeup, but like it's just not a part of my presentation or like gender identity at all. Mm-hmm. But we just like he would just like paint my face with makeup all the time, like felt so good and looks incredible like he's just so talented well it's a classic cover on top of it the, the whole thing i mean the, you know i'll say the entire presentation is very well done on this and that's uh very much appreciated. so it's that's been a lot perry of fun Shaw from do you know him he's an artist from philadelphia who is it perry Shaw. oh no he i don't a lot of stuff for a lot of people he did that shannon and the clams record cover uh-huh, uh-huh. The big hand. He's such a talent. His work's everywhere. But I just, you know, I was just like, I just want to do kind of like a like a gay Sergeant Pepper's Z, like Rajneesh Purim, kind of like some sort of 19th, like 60s, 70s vibe thing. And he was like, I got you. So. <laughs> and I love it. I do.
Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, awesome, Chrissy. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for for uh, taking the time, you know, in, in the van today to talk oh. about this and you know the uh, the chosen family record. It's it's incredible. It really is. That's that's super kind. Thank you. All right. It means a lot, really, truly. And um, and um, we'll see you around Louisville uh, at some point soon. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Take I care. So long. All right. Bye. My thanks to Chrissy from Thin Lips. That new record, Chosen Family, it's out now. And now moving to the last interview for this episode, Lance Ferguson of the Bamboos. Their new record is called Nighttime People. Now, when they put this out, they had a lead single called Broken. They released three different versions at the same time. I get to ask about that, as well as the content of that single that deals with mental illness. We're also going to talk about how Black Mirror, the Netflix show, had an influence on the album and how working with Kungs on that monster worldwide hit, This Girl, has affected their life. It's Kyle Meredith with the Bamboos. Hey, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, let's let's get into Nighttime People. Uh, this new record and, and the first couple singles are out there. Of course, there's a story tied into the new single, Broken, which is a great song, and you can have your choice of what version of a great song that you would like. There's three different... It's like three different songs, but it's the same thing. Could, could you uh, could you explain that? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the backstory of this song is, you know, it's a, it's a song with a message, I guess, and the, the initial theme of that message was about re- resilience, really, in the face of emotional and, and mental illness. And, and I get we had this theme going already, but then we expanded upon it because we wanted to, to really shout the message out loud and clear that basically it's okay to ask for help. I mean, that's the simple message behind this, but I think it's a very strong one. Um, to get out there and look, we're not experts. I'm not no expert on the subject, but what we can do with a platform of a, you know, even a, a band like ours is help raise awareness. I mean, even if one person out there gets gets that message through to themselves through this, that that would be amazing to me. But the, we wanted to kind of shout that message out loud and clear around the world, basically. So we thought, what if we take the song and get three different artists from three different places ar- around the globe to you know, tell their own unique story around that theme. And so we had the incredible Jay Live, um, who's I've been a fan of for a long time, one of my favourite MCs, in fact. So it was a thrill to get him involved. Also uh, an MC, a rapper from Australia called Earthboy, who's really, really big down here and, and a bit of a lead, local kind of legend, really. And then a singer, songwriter and rapper out of Germany named Teasy. So the, each three of these artists kind of ran with that theme and told their own stories. And I think it's just a, a, a nice way to you know get get that message out there basically the music's the same and and of course the hook is the same but each three really takes on their own style and does it different i mean it almost actually makes it three very different songs is there a way that you all will treat this on the album is there is there a bamboos version as well and 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 live have you figured out how you're gonna kind of play around with that yeah, look, it's always it's always tough when you've got feature and guest artists on your record trying to sort of make that work live. It's been an ongoing challenge for for me certainly because I've always wanted to go on flights of fancy in the studio and whatnot. But um, you know, I guess the, the J Live version is is the version that is going across like the vinyl uh, release of the album and 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 on the CD and digital you'll get all three versions there, so you can you can check them out. And also we've done three different lyric videos as well. Mm-hmm. My my initial kind of I had this this great plan of doing some sort of interactive video clip where you could you could actually choose which rapper you wanted on, on to listen oh, to cool. and you could sort of flip between them. But apparently the technology does not exist currently to be able to do that. At but, least not on will. our budget anyway. Yeah, I mean that's this is the thing. <laughs> this is the moments that create that technology. I mean this is 
you know, Pete Townsend trying to get Quadraphonic live on stage. This is this is the moments that make those. So that was a big step. That was a loud step. <laughs> it was a loud step. I don't want to brush over, of course, the, the message that you were talking about with mental illness. I, I know that covers several different parts. You know, there, there's lots of different versions of mental illness, of course. Uh, in the music industry, we have been facing. Um, we, we've lost a lot of our our, our heroes uh, to suicide. Uh, I saw a stat that came out last week or the week before. Uh, I think it was right after Anthony Bourdain passed away. That said, you, you know, since 1999, the, the percentage has, has jumped up immensely in, in in people taking their own life. Was there any single person or issue that kind of drew you to want to put a big spotlight? Uh, on this uh, subject? Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I, I guess um, this is a, an area or a, a subject or an issue that, that rings especially poignantly for me because I have people of my own family and really close friends of mine have experienced this stuff. And, you know, I, I, I just, for me, it's the whole thing about the stigma attached to it and the fact that, you know, even in 2018, people are are there's a sense of shame around this or a sense of embarrassment or people think it's a, a, a sign of weakness to come out and ask for help so um i felt personally uh compelled to kind of i guess shout that out and you know as you say though i think it has been highlighted recently and more and more people are talking about it i mean there's an organization in australia called support act which is uh kind of formed specifically around mental uh, and emotional health issues in the music scene which I, I think is great because you know there's a look there's a lot of um this going on across the entire population but i think in in the creative and artistic world it hasn't been um highlighted enough as well this is you know speaking specifically of one song uh, of broken uh, are you tackling anything else with with the other songs or anything that sort of kind of takes that same direction? Look, the, you know, the Bamboos have been known as, as, for want of a better term, sort of like a party band, I guess. And, and when we come out and play live, we want people to have a good time and to dance and do all that stuff. Look, we have, there have been a couple of songs on previous albums which had messages behind them. And I, I look, I, it's, it's something that I think is, is, for me, great because some of my musical heroes, people like Curtis Mayfield and Marvin Gaye and people like that, you know, had loads of, of messages behind their music. So I think, you know, as much as, as you can be a band that's fun in parentheses, it's, it's also, you know, I think it's important to, you know, get behind some issues that are personally important to you. Um, but look, the, as a whole, I would say the Bambies are not really, you know, a deeply political band as such. But I, I think, um, you know, just if you're a creative person throwing stuff out in the world, of course, it's going to touch on things that uh, are important to you really but look I, I would say across the rest of this album in terms of thematically i mean the, the broken track is probably the heaviest one and dealing with that sort of stuff but the the other one the, the thematically across the other album it, it 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 does often come back to the ubiquitous you know themes of 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 love and and relationships and that sort of stuff which has been a main theme throughout our music i guess across these eight albums one of the songs i heard you talking about happened to be uh after you saw an episode of black mirror i've seen one episode and that's the episode that i saw my wife said i needed to see that one and it has stuck with me since as one of my favorite episodes of, of television uh i think ever yes sandrina pero it's a, what a what an amazing episode i mean I, i'm a deep fan of black mirror as a, as a show and, and the concepts that are being thrown around there but that one particularly just really resonated and it, it, it does seem to be a favorite among people who aren't necessarily fans of the show as a whole but it, i just yeah it really sort of struck something in me that that whole idea of 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 you know i guess 
immortality through through uploading the consciousness and so forth. I haven't ruined. I basically ruined the episode for people if they haven't seen it. But you don't have to put that in. But yeah, I thought, and I and also, I, you know, I guess on a aesthetic level, I love. I I I just love that name as well. It just sort of rolls off the tongue. It's like Salador or one of those amazing words or phrases. So I just thought it was a beautiful uh, name for that particular song. The immortality part. It seems like in in, in sort of an off way uh, further down the road way like we're also seeing that in the music industry though at this point you can never really die at least your image you know has the possibility you know and and i guess that can also be said for just the recorded voice from the beginning of 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 records you know that we've been able to kind of sustain life in that way but now we're seeing folks and this isn't talking about the love part by the way but now we're seeing folks that are turned into holograms and everything else so it's you know the the immortality isn't i guess uh an impossibility anymore. Well, no. Way. I mean, I've been I've been reading a great book on transhumanism lately, which and there's there's actually a I can't remember the name of it, but there's there's back, basically I think it's an actual website or a service which you upload consistently upload images and footage of yourself along the way, basically sort of through your life. And the the goal is this is stored on a server for use for creating you know, a fully three-dimensional digital likeness of yourself for, you know, maybe your relatives or, or future generations to check out, which is a pretty wild idea, I think. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your view on um, uh, some version of immortality? Do you, do you want to in some way live forever? Well, I, look, I guess if I'm honest, the whole concept of legacy is kind of important to me. And But I think, I guess my legacy in terms of some sort of virtual immortality is is through the music I've left and and that hopefully that will will be there for for people long after I'm I'm gone so I guess that that's what it is I mean I I'd love to be around for 800 years or something like that I think that'd be fun you know forever is maybe not a thing I but could, yeah. if I could li- if I could live and I mainly cuz I'm just fascinated to see how the future will play out I'd right. love to yeah definitely would no, that's fun. Um, Technology—it's also found its way in, into this record. Uh, you know, soul funk, a soul funk band with, uh, with with the roots in that. But but it seems like you've been trying to find the balance of pulling in the electronic sound a little bit more. What's the challenge been like that on this record? Look, I, I guess we've we've been tr- we've been. Well, I say trying, but we we have been incorporating things into the classic paradigm of a well, it's a nine-piece band now, but of that lineup of a of a soul funk band. But I guess you know, I like to not. I try to as much as I can put the genre thing out of my head and just go, what is what does this song need, and where does it want to go, and what timbres and textures will will best kind of elevated up for the listener and you know often that can be things that would be potentially considered unconventional you know and look, the synthesizer is hardly an innovative new instrument it's been around for, for decades but, but, in, but for, for some people that that can be controversial when you put it in in you know a, a certain genre bag that they have a sort of fixed perception of in their own minds but i'm not really for me that's not really important in the process i'm involved with so I don't mind putting adding Juno to a song or whatever if that's going to kind of make the chorus really, you know, explode or something like that. So I, I, I guess what, I what I'm saying is I'm not a purist in that way, whereas some people are, and that's fine. But the Bamboos has never really been a purist band, in, even though we operate in, I guess, if I'm forced into it, in the soul funk genres, but we've never really been a purist band like that. So we'd like to sort of try and keep an open mind and be a little progressive with it, I guess. Now, it does sort of come on the heels of the success that uh, that Kylie and Crooked on Three Burners had with Kungs and that song 
this girl, and, and I know that's sort of, you know, uh, associated family that we're talking about here, but have you seen, has that had any effect on the bamboos that you've noticed? Well, see, that song, I was I was in Cooking on Three Burners when, when we wrote that song, and, and that song was in, released in its original form, but I haven't, I, I kind of left the band about two or three years ago. But I, look, I I'm not sure if it's had a direct um, influence or if, if, if an effect on the bamboos as such, only, I guess, potentially Kylie's profile, obviously, became larger through that and she did some tours of of the uk just on her own basically performing that kung's remix sort of six times in a row in a nightclub (laughs) um which which is pretty funny and was great for her because she got the kind of vip treatment and roped off areas and champagne and all that stuff so i think she had a great time doing that but look her profile um i I hopefully was raised through that because i'm always trying to champion her and uh, look, I, I think any sort of awareness raising of, of the Australian soul music scene is, is something I, I look upon with favourable eyes, I guess. Well, I, t- I mean, I tell you, the, the Australian scene, uh, music scene all around is in such a great place internationally, it feels like right now. I mean, every single week, if not every week, then every few weeks, I'm told, here's a great band. Oh, by the way, they're from Australia like more than I feel like ever in the past two or three years. And it's been so great to, to kind of see all the amazing talent come out of there. And, and what, every time I I talk to anyone that that's from, you know, the Australian, any version of the music scene, they always say, you know, it's small and and we sort of all know each other and everybody plays in each other's bands. And it very much is like that. And I think that gives it a, it, it, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but it really does give it that tight knit feel. And, Everyone plays on everyone's record, everyone plays in everyone's band, and people don't seem to get too precious about it. It's just, you know, there's a feeling of, of helping each other out and, and a sense of community, which I think is something to really cherish. We've got great stuff going down there, and I, I mean that specifically, too, for the Bamboos. Uh, the career that you have made and the music that you have made, we're so lucky to have it, and I'm looking forward to nighttime people just the, just as much. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, look, this is our, our eighth album. I think we've come a little, well, full circle in a sense in many ways, genre-wise as well. But I think, you know, look, I always say this, but I think this is the best album we've ever made. And I, if, if, if I don't say that about a new album that's coming out, I don't want to make another one. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope that you feel that way about your music. <laughs> you know, as a fan too. Uh, Lance, I really appreciate the call. Uh, thank you for calling here. And again, we'll be looking forward to the uh, to the new album, man. Hey, thanks so much for your support and taking the time. All right, we'll see you around. Take care. All right. Okay, have a good night. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And a big thank you to Lance Ferguson of the Bamboos. Again, that new record is called Nighttime People. And uh, a big thanks to my other guests as well, Thin Lips and Hippocampus. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now, whether you're listening at YouTube or you're checking out the podcast version. And while you're there, give it a rating. Leave a review. After that, you can head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you'll also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.